Well, welcome everybody to the Blow Off Valve podcast. We are off the road back in Tucker's three season porch. <laughs> uh, Stationary. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I listened to the podcast, you know, obviously when I was editing it last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. How'd it turn out? Did it, that it was you okay know, with the mic? It was, it was, so it was publishable, but I didn't okay. love it. Okay. Um, the funny thing was when we did our test in the yeah, car, that seemed, it sounded pretty good. It did not sound that good on um, the recording you, so, that's too bad i don't know right. it's because we attached it to the remember we attached yeah, maybe, to like maybe. that ball cap yeah, yeah. The center maybe there was like resonance and stuff yeah it just sounded oh, like kind of tinny and stuff but okay. anyways right. so hopefully we sound better this this week uh we've been off for a little bit we missed uh and we'll catch up on some new car announcements there's a lot of stuff around monterey car week um which uh just got done and obviously monterey is one of the big you know, Pebble Beach concourse elegance, like one of the yeah kind of bucket list uh, items really for me. Like go check out one that Amelia <laughs> Ion concourse, the Festival of Speed. Like those are to me are like maybe Village Pilgrimage. Day. Yeah. Like those are kind of pilgrimage type <laughs> visits. Although Pebble Beach is getting to the point in terms of expense that I don't know that I could plus me immortals could yeah. yeah it's like literally like thousands of dollars a night for like you know. An Airbnb there, and you know, because the car industry comes in and they buy up, yeah. or, or yeah, 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 yeah. you know, houses and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so not for 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 you know regular punters, as the British would say. Like, <laughs> I think I think <laughs> we may we may be priced out. Yeah, we might be priced out of the market unless we want to like stay fifty miles away or something. Okay. Um, but anyways, so obviously a huge, you know. Now that a lot of um, kind of traditional car shows like the Detroit Auto Show or the LA Auto Show or whatever, now that those are kind of yeah. dying out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's know, a good point. Festival of Speed and Congress Yeah, that is really stuff. kind of how they've announced cars. That's how they're announcing build hype and stuff. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 So I think you could, they kind of rely on, you know, some TikTok videos mm-hmm. and some reels. Yeah, exactly. The, the social media. Viral. Yeah. And, and they do, um, you know, and you get to see the cars oftentimes moving, which yeah. I think like a dynamic reveal is much more interesting than just a yeah, car sitting on the Spinning. So, so we're going to talk about one of the cars that was announced during Monterey car week, but, the first car we want to talk about was a car that actually was announced uh, in the lead up kind of before Monterey Car Week. And it had been rumored about, you know, they'd seen yeah, stuff testing yeah, yeah, yeah. at the Nürburgring. But the, you know, this is a big year for Porsche and for the 911, yeah. the 75th anniversary of Porsche, 50th anniversary of the. I celebrated that by buying two of them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And a half. And a half when we were at Great America, yeah. Uh, so they announced the 911 ST, which is. You know, you want to talk about continuing to slice the salami never thinner, right? right? Um, so the ST is going to be another limited edition 911. It is essentially a GT3 Touring yeah. with the drivetrain of a GT3 RS. Yeah. But it's available as a manual. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the big kind of one of the big selling points. And there's some unique touches to it. Like, I believe... A lot of the body panels that are carbon fiber. Um, the okay, front, the front weight. It's so it is supposed to be the. It's the lightest weight 911 on sale. Um, I think it nips the T. Yeah, um, yeah. Just a bit. We're talking about like 20 pounds or something like that. Or yeah. 20 kilos. That's um, slicing the salami. It's very yeah. 
but it's it is it's like 40 kilos lighter than the gt3 rs mm. and did they okay did they do anything with the suspension on it or do they yes so it's, they have the no 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 so so any pruning or the head of the gt department um said that this is supposed to be unlike so this is really the first gt department car that is not specifically intended for this the track okay. this is a street well car. that that's kind of where i think they made a mistake with the gt3 touring yeah and i really think they the 992 they, yeah they yeah. they really should have dialed that suspension for more street and back roads type driving because yeah. that's like I see complaints about that quite a bit when I'm perusing that section on Renless. Yeah, so. it's it's very stiff. Maybe that that yeah. could honestly potentially be an evolution in the 992.2 version. Where it they could be, and I mean, this also could be part of part of why they did this is also made feedback from that's what I'm thinking. The tour. Yeah, and so and, you know, and now the GT departments come out with the RS Spider, uh, which also they've said is like it's not a track car; it's a street car. Yeah. But this is this is the first 911 GT car that is really meant for the street. Really, and, as it should be for a yeah. touring. Yeah, you know? like that's yeah. And, and there's some there's like the front fenders I think are, are from the RS, so it's got these cool kind of this like pass through for aero. Um, yep, yep. There's there's some aesthetic tweaks that are very cool. They're making 1963 of them because 1963 is the first year of the 911. <laughs> um, and the less we make, the more we they're going to be a billion <laughs> of them. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to they're going to be like you know in. So I think the list price is like two hundred and eighty grand or something like that. These are going to get flipped immediately for like six hundred plus. It's going to be like the nine eleven R, even nine nine one generation. Um, I mean the nine eleven R was essentially the same thing. It was a nine nine one GT three RS as a touring with a manual. So, um. And those are still selling for over half a million consistently. And those were 230 or something like that list at the time. So these these are these are gone. So like talking about it in terms of as if we'd get one is like irrelevant. Yeah. But I am curious to see like, you know, what did you think about it? Yeah. So it's interesting. I I mean, to be completely honest with you. I kind of tuned it out. Mm -hmm. um, there's like a threshold of there's so many of these type of cars coming out. That's obvious. Obviously, it's a portrait, so I'm yeah. a fan. So like, no, but I, you're right. Like I, the limited edition, mega expensive. Yeah, they're all pre-sold. They, they kind of just go into a category of mine where it's like, yeah, I can't probably ever even drive one of those. Yeah, so I don't care that it even even exists. exists yeah, so I don't read about it i don't because it was interesting there was a what i just alluded to was with the 992 touring you know that's still would be very immense it'd be immensely difficult to get a hold of right like for any sort of reasonable money yeah. but in a maybe a cpo mode you know yeah seven years, years down time maybe. yeah maybe but I guess the point was I I was kind of looking at it from the standpoint of this could potentially inform some changes that they could make for the the GT3 touring and the 992.2 version where they fix the suspension and, yeah. and make it a little bit more pliable. Yep. Um 
more so that was kind of more what i was interested in i took it just as you did like they've integrated that feedback into this car and now hopefully it's a little bit more viable and more appropriate yeah um i i remember reading this post on on renless that this guy who had bought a couple of cars from a dealership and and in his mind was just through the roof just stoked about the st and was like this is the perfect car and they're like no you're not getting it. <laughs> yeah. well they took a deposit of course yeah of course <laughs> They'll take my deposit too. It's a free loan. Poor bastard came on the forum and was like, you know, what's my play here? Like, you know, they they said you're high, you're you're number three on the list. Uh And it's like that dealership is gonna be lucky to get one yeah maybe if, if that guy is number and, three on their list of buying a couple cars, like that dealership might not even get one. Exactly. And and they and the the guys and gals who are spending two million dollars a year through the dealership yeah maybe fighting amongst themselves right to get a hold of this car so yeah. it, it was it was basically like i have spent enough time buying cars and understanding the car industry to know that like that is a forbidden fruit yeah i may get to see one like uh you know a bugatti chiron yeah at a car's coffee and that would be cool i guess to like see it from a distance yeah but like cars that attract me today and of a limited amount of daylight yeah i'll invest some time like reading about watching some youtube videos on yeah are cars that i might actually have a chance of obtaining or driving someday yeah but if the experience is I j- it's it would be kind of like the same thing of you you asking me so there's this new 35 million dollar yacht what do you think about what do you the think yacht? about some of these features on it? yeah like, yeah yeah i don't give a shit about that yeah <laughs> now now it's not like a fair comparison because obviously you know we're car enthusiasts and so it's cool to see but it's, no, um, I mean, it's also why, like, you know, when the Pagani Utopia got released, we didn't talk about it. Like, who gives a shit? It just doesn't. It's matter. another five million. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. And this I mean, is, and this is Porsche's version of that. And there are some that are, like, really cool, like the Aston Martin Valkyrie that we'll talk about. Because it's like, well, that's crazy, you know? But yeah, like, yeah, there's some something interesting you know, about it. I mean, there was Zenvo released a new car at Monterey Car Week and, you know, Bugatti and unveiled a unique you know yeah. drone it's like but it, it, yeah we're not going to talk about that because yeah basically like, what this is is they said we're going to take the gt they sliced the freaking salami again yeah we're going to take the gt3 rs engine yeah which is you know, drop nice it in touring we're going to put it in a touring fix the suspension issue everyone savagely complained yeah. about and give it a man yeah and there's your new right and fruit. right yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i think the thing that so when this car got announced, I yeah, well, I was just really, sorry, I didn't ask. no, no, no. I was I, I was really torn because part be, partly because of what we just talked about. Like, there's a part of me that is like, oh, that's awesome! Like, that will be so cool. Great car, yeah. And then a great, you know, followed very quickly by like, it doesn't matter. It's not how, that it is. how much money I have or how good it is. I will not ever, unless I'm willing to pay that 
flipper price or whatever, I will never get one. Which, so, which, which to me, like the flipper price is, is, is almost unfathomable to pay because for nine eleven for yeah for that for, kind of, for a nine yeah. eleven and also from the standpoint of it is really just feeding into the complex of you know those who have money make more money mm -hmm. and I'm yeah. I'm the schmuck yeah who's got to show up who's making them day. well and, and you're the I'm, guy that's making them make more money exactly yeah and so like it's even if I like well. That's what I own a deal where it's like, yeah. well, this one's only, you know, 30 or 50 grand over. Right. And it's maybe, yeah, maybe you could do that. It's still like the, the principle of that really, yeah. really bothers me. Like well, I'm actually a working stiff. Yeah. Got to show up every day. It's painful to go to work. Right. It's, like I, it doesn't, my money doesn't make more of itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, you know, there, there's been talk about like when that 918 owners deal comes to an end, you know, so like, yep. For those that don't know, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but anyone that bought a 918 knew when they came out, Porsche made them a deal that they would get an allocation for every single GT car for the next 10 years. And then they would have the option at that time to buy the car or not, but they would be guaranteed an allocation at MSRP. And I've heard a lot of talk like, oh, that, you know, that 10 years is almost up. Like all of a sudden, as if these people will magically disappear and now you'll have a shot at a G2 car. It's like, hey, tell you, buddy, those guys GT are still going to be, yeah, those guys are still going to be spending a million dollars to the dealership every year and they'll still be number one on the list. And so, you know, that whole discussion has been ridiculous to me, but it is a real shame because I started thinking like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, in seven years, I could like, consolidate upward and sell like my rs and puts you know save some more money and like get into one of these things but then i looked at what a 911r costs which is the 991 version essentially of what the st is going to be and it's like five six hundred thousand dollars it's like oh okay well that's never mind you know and my enthusiasm and that, did that, kind of win yeah and that's that. the thing is like these cars aren't going to be actually driven no i mean they're yeah, all they going to be get, I mean, some, 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 some will, people. but most will be, yeah. most put will be put in an know. air conditioned vacuum sealed garage vault next to every single other GT car from the last 20 years. And, and that's kind of is what it is. And I'm not going to begrudge someone using the car how they want or not using the car, but it is kind of a bummer that like, you just won't see these cars, you know, they'll, be, yeah. they'll get trotted out to the cars and coffee. And then you'll see the same car the next year at the yearly get together. And it's got 10 more miles on it than it did last year. Yeah. And so, you know, all of that being said, when I think back to like when the T came out, I, I was really excited about that car. Cause I just thought like, what a, what a great enthusiast car. I mean, you can get the, and one you could actually potentially get into. Yeah. You could, you could potentially get into. Yeah. And, um, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, there's no, if you want it without a back seat, like you could, you could make it in, in carbon fiber buckets. Like you could make it very much kind of like a touring or GT yeah. experience. Yeah. What I thought was cool about it is obviously this is a company with order books that, I mean, they could just turn out GTSs all day long and yeah. turbos and turbo S's. With and they huge sell, margins. Yeah. Huge margins and sell those. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool that they allocated some fairly, yeah, fairly yeah. heavy production favoring 
like the T's right now and GTS's and like it's hard as hell to get a base Carrera or an S mm -hmm. currently right yeah. now because they're favoring those but it so it was cool to see like okay I recognize that they've got these halo cars which is something they need to do to hype the brand and yeah you know placate the the, the big dollars so that they don't drift over to Ferrari or somebody else or, yeah um, but it was cool that like hey you know they carved out a window which I'm I'm still guessing in the T's case is going to run for about a year. Well, we're gonna, they're going to produce these. Mm -hmm. You can still you know get a hold of them, and then they're going to be gone because mm -hmm. they're going to go back to prioritizing other models for yeah you know. But so I mean like as much as I kind of like a little bit shit on it and whatever, like they they still are a company that cares about. I think so, yeah. and but. At the same time, like, I know they raise the prices by a whole ton. And so, mm -hmm. like, it's it's already drifting out of the realm for yeah a lot of people for, I mean, getting one new, oh yeah you know, custom order. But you're, you're basically going to be at the mercy of the CPO market. And for a BMW or Mercedes, that doesn't really matter because there's not that many emotions. Yeah. But with Porsche, Porsche there's so like many pioneer options. Yeah. Option, yeah. You really like there's some freak shows that are mm -hmm. out there where it's like, what the yeah, yeah, what are they making? Yeah, and then there's others which you know people are reasonable, yeah. get out of the park and they, you know, do a classy spec. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, Porsche is really like the king of you know, you can pretty much do our base whatever car you want, and now you need to have 30,000 in options to get anything you want. Sounds outrageous, but like when you look at do you want, you know mirrors that alert you to cars and your turn like that's enough yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah. on that's yeah. on every board that comes out of the right. production line right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like they're options but it's they're yeah. not really options right yeah. yeah this car that you can barely see out the back <laughs> you want a backup camera <laughs> yeah that's an option i mean that's an option in europe oddly enough that is a required thing in the, in the u.s States, yeah so not an option here yeah, but it yeah, is in true. europe that's true um so you know i yeah i think ultimately i if they came along and said look here's the st it's expensive here's what the price is but we're gonna make a bunch of them yeah you know and not, and it doesn't have to be can... a certain number don't say that they make twice as many you know or or three times like at least close to what the demand would be yeah yeah so that it's not one, just, one less than the market so, dictates. yeah so yeah. that the dealers aren't getting one or two each and they're having to decide which hedge fund billionaire they're they're going to allot it to then i would be really excited and i and i'd be seriously considering like ooh, yeah yeah it's do i make a move here you know but knowing the car minus will be three million because I just know I never will get a shot at it short of winning the lottery. And 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 that is kind of a bummer, but from uh ignoring the price, ignoring whether I could buy one or not, as a thing, I think it's gonna be freaking awesome. It's a cool combination of I mean, it will be there's a reason it spins. There's a reason the nine eleven the, the nine nine one nine eleven R is considered an all-timer like yeah. it's it's going to be awesome yeah. and it looks great yeah it's like a little edgier gt3 you know um yeah and you get rid of some of the craziness of the yeah, yeah, and yeah, all that yeah, sort, yeah. sort of stuff so um but there's another crazy car that was released 
at Monterey, and you wouldn't expect a three hundred thousand dollar car necessarily to sport with this badge. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Ford, uh, you know, and Ford came out has come out with two modern Ford GTs, uh, the modern the the first gen from the mid 2000s was i think around 200 grand or maybe 150 when it came out now now they're big money though 400 grand um because they're a v8 manual supercar like you know they're they were awesome then and they're still awesome so they appreciate it then they came out the mark ii that is was just a track car and those are a million dollars so like ford can make a very expensive car but they came out with a Mustang that is going to be $300,000. Uh, it's called the GTD. It's named after the IMSA race series. That's cool. Um, because it is essentially their GT3 car, but road legal. Gotcha. Um, that was the idea. And that's Jim, cool. Yeah. And Jim Farley, the, the Ford CEO, has basically said, like, we're, this is, you know, we looked at Porsche and they're selling. GT cars hand over fists that are based essentially on a cup car. I mean, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. that's essentially what it is is a GT cup car, you know, a 911 cup car. Um, and so they said, well, why can't we do that with a Mustang? You know, and Lord knows there's millions of loyal Ford fans, plenty of them have a lot of money. And so they're going to bring this out. It's going to be a fairly, I don't know how limited, but it's going to be a fairly limited run thing. Um, it looks, crazy it, I mean, does, yeah. it looks i'm i'm not sure i'd buy the looks of it that much the wing especially is super weird it's like instead of being like based on the trunk the wing basically comes off the the rear oh uh so it's a little bit in pillar the, essentially yeah. so it's not really coming off the trunk yeah, yeah, yeah. um i'm sure it's still functional but it looks very strange uh but the thing's crazy i mean the front looks amazing um it's it got pretty sweet it's got 800 horsepower from a supercharged <laughs> v8 um you know it is rolling down yeah. the road <laughs> but you know it, it does make the question like it's one thing if you are taking if you're making an homage to a gt40 and selling it for three hundred thousand dollars i think there's plenty of people that would be like uh you know a road going homage race car yeah i'm in but this is a Mustang. It's the ultimate Mustang, don't get me wrong. But the Delta is so great. So, like a base 911 costs what 130 grand, 120 yeah. grand. Painful. Memory. The top 911 is 280. Yeah. The 911 ST. The base Mustang is like a forty-five, fifty thousand dollars car new. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's getting expensive. That, that's true. But now you have a three hundred. I mean, I, the delta between the base and the ultimate version of that car is now insane. So it'll be interesting to see if, similar to how Porsche structures that, if they do go all in mm -hmm. and basically say the Mustang is now a halo car. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, like look at the Corvette, right? Yeah, that's a lot of performance for the money but it's still not a exactly a cheap car i would say like they're yeah. kind of expensive no i mean the corvette is basically for middle class folks that is the aspirational yeah. sports car that's that's what 
So, you know, you, know, you could maybe gone. see them pushing the Mustang up to the, you know, maybe your entry level 60 grand or something. Sure. And starting to basically say, like, this is a Halo car, kind of like the 911. Obviously, because there's a lot of 911 enthusiasts who yeah. don't buy them brand new. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the secondhand market. And so maybe that's something they do with this. And that actually yeah. makes it more desirable yeah. in, in, in an odd way. It is so, a good point. Like, kinda, Ford doesn't have that. Ford doesn't really have a car that fits that right, 60 you, to 80 grand niche that the Corvette does. You know, Corvettes don't start at 60, but like, you know, that high five figure niche yep. that is like the attainable middle class upper middle class car you know they have not really announced plans to make another ford gt but like it's not gonna be cheaper than the mark ii and the mark ii was like an eight hundred thousand dollars seven hundred fifty thousand dollar car so like they kind of need something in that realm like an enthusiast mm, thinking car. yeah so maybe they maybe that's where they head with this it would make it makes sense i mean there would definitely be like a high margin car. The question is, what, that's what what then slots in underneath it? Like, I don't think you need anything. Yeah, you don't have a they sell plenty of trucks. Yeah, I guess, I, and I think that's one way to look at it. Like, yeah. you look at the Macan and the Kyneer. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they. That's the yeah. ten they move to fund yeah. the whole operation. Yeah, the so Ford F one fifty is the same thing. Yeah, like obviously they've got Raptor versions. Yeah. And there's Cayenne turbos and you know, yeah. madness GTs and stuff, yeah. but I, I honestly think what they what the what the pandemic has probably taught them is like limited supply mm-hmm. makes more money per car and helps the brand. The yeah. Mustang all of a sudden becomes this like aspirational, yeah, like an aspirational car, like a Corvette. Um, and you don't have to move it like completely out of reach, but you could probably chart double compared yeah. to what that base car is and yeah. those in the young guys like who could buy one new are just like well i can't afford the new one but god i want one more than anything so yeah. i gotta wait now and or buy a used yep yep in the second hand market yeah i guess the the bummer to me in that scenario i think everything financially everything you're saying makes a lot of sense the what would be a shame to me is We've talked before about the ever shrinking pool of affordable enthusiast cars. You know, the the twenty three year old guy just out of college gets a job making sixty grand a year and is out on their own single and wants something fun. Like, what did they buy? You know, and right now you've got you're having a stretch. The Camaro is coming to an end. The Charger, the Challenger are coming to an end. The Mustang has soldiered on. Um, albeit with like a turbo four cylinder and some other like smaller engine options, a Subaru BRZ Toyota 86, the Corolla GR. There's a handful, but that's really it. And if you move the Mustang up market, that further shrinks that pool significantly. I mean, for, the Mustang is a volume seller. I mean, they sell a ton of those freaking things. It's not like Period. it's, it's not like Honda Civic, but like they're common. Yeah. So now, if it becomes, you know, a Corvette, we all know Corvettes, and they I think they them. just assume so, like, like they'll push those people into CRVs and SUVs and trucks. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I think those people would have gone into Fiesta STs and and the like, but now that they don't sell those anymore, I mean, I mean Ford has really moved away from selling anything but, but trucks and SUVs for. You know, they got rid of the Fusion, they got rid of the Fiesta, they got rid of the Focus yeah. in the U.S. So, like, now that, you know, the Mustang is kind of their only non-truck option. Yeah. Um, so, I guess it does make sense if it would move up market, but it'll also be a shame because, you know, the democratization of speed will be, you know, less democratic. You know, it's going to be more well, and more for people. The odd thing about that is... You know, if you look at a Mustang Mach E, right? They've kind of yeah. used the Mustang. They've leveraged the name for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where, like, maybe that's more evidence of this kind of upmarket move with that potentially. But also, you know, what in the future is going to constitute a enthusiast car mm-hmm. in an EV world? Right. Yeah. When they're all just effing. Lands and yeah, you know, they're so stupidly heavy and quick. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe it will be. I also think it's a tough proposition too, though. Like, if you go out and spend three hundred thousand dollars on a car, and someone asks what you bought, and you say, "I bought a Mustang," I know. The thing is, though, then you have to explain. Well, here's why it's. Here's why it's cool. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do. I I do think that, and um, and I would agree with that. But I do think there's a lot of people out there that that just basically would want to have nothing to do with Porsche or Ferrari. Yeah, and they're they're from the you know let's say they're from the Midwest. Yeah, or the South, and it's just like America. I got a shit ton of money. I don't buy buying any of that foreign crap. Yeah. And this speaks to me. Yeah. And I'm buying. Oh, I have no doubt. You know what I'm saying? I have no doubt these are, if not already sold out and spoken for, they will be. Because I think you're right. I think there's a bunch of folks that are, you know, they own a construction company. They're blue collar folks that make good money and they do buy domestic. Yeah. And they've always bought domestic. They're Yeah. Really maybe they, domestic. you know, going up in a gt3 to the construction site isn't the right message but showing up in that will be like hell yeah yeah <laughs> it's i mean it's the same it's the same right. folks that have a brand new dodge ram and a hellcat red eye like <laughs> well you have two hundred thousand dollars worth of cars you know <laughs> and and no one's gonna look bad and eye. they'll be like those are cool you know exactly so it does fly a little under the radar compared to yeah showing up mm-hmm. in a yeah, a Porsche or a Ferrari, or <laughs> I know. Um, but it, it it is an interesting gambit, I think, from Ford to say, you know, we're going to take a car that it it would be like if Honda came out with a Civic Type R special edition that was three hundred grand. You'd be like, Civic costs three hundred thousand. I know, I know. <laughs> you know, it just sensical. Yeah. It seems crazy, but but I do. I'm I'm sure. You know, this is a race car. So, like, I'm sure they're all sold. They're being made by Multimatic in Canada. Like, they're specialty, they're being specially built. Yeah. And, and they'll, they'll retain their value. And Multimatic is the same people that built the Mark II for GTs. Like, okay. th- these are, these are craftsmen. So, I, I know why it's that expensive. Um, and they will retain <laughs> their value. They're going to be like, 
you know, this generation's Cobra R from the early two yeah. thousands. They they'll hold their money. Um uh and the but the last thing I want to talk about was something a little bit more close to home. And I actually never you kind of alluded to this and said you're gonna tell me later, so I never actually heard what the whole story was. <laughs> but you <laughs> kind of wanted to kind of talk about how okay. difficult it's getting to work on yeah, and so, cars. So when I got my BMW 2002, I basically redid the entire ignition system. Yeah. Um, I replaced. I was super impressed. Like you did the vast majority of the work. Yeah. I mean, I was the whole stuff. thing alternator, spark plugs, ignition coil, battery, yeah, distributor, like all of it got redone. And it was yeah. very approachable. Well, you're chasing it's a bunch of gremlins, gremlins yeah. with it. Yeah. And um, and that did actually fix a lot of the issues. Um, and then the, basically the rest of them in that car were grounding mm-hmm. issues mm-hmm. where, you know, a 50-year-old car or through rust and just whatever doesn't have good grounding to the chassis anymore. So your electrical circuits don't complete and get wacky things going on. Yeah. And so I did rely on uh, Dave at Workshop to kind of polish that out for some of the last stuff and the dash and stuff. But mm-hmm. Everything was very approachable. You could go find an old manual, read about it, watch a video, mm-hmm. go on a forum, you know, all just very, no, no software nonsense, no plugging stuff in yeah, and try to get errors and stuff. It's just all kind of like a clock, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. all mechanical. Just yeah. you, you, if you take this thing apart, if you pay attention to what you're doing, you can put it back together. Right. And so the the 911T has this lithium ion battery mm-hmm. and um they're cool because they're lightweight mm-hmm. which is nice but they're also kind of finicky and and honest when I say they're finicky I think it probably has more to do with shitty battery management software mm-hmm. rather than like the battery itself being an issue mm-hmm. but you know there's plenty of posts on Renless about this topic where you know, they say they won't warranty that thing if you oh, don't God, yeah. if you don't drive that car more than six thousand miles a year. Which which to me is most really nine eleven owners probably don't. Which is <laughs> to me just saying like, okay, this we we know we have a software issue we don't with this battery. <laughs> yeah. We know there's issues and they're very expensive. And so yeah. I, I don't really want to mess around with that. So I want to yeah. keep mine popped off. Um, yeah. because I don't I don't always drive it. I've got other cars to drive. And so I had a, a lithium charger, trickle charger. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you you had told me your GT3 RS has the same battery. And so you had this cool trickle charger that you could just plug into the 12 volt socket. And yeah. away we go. It charges and you just move on. Very yeah. easy to plug in and, and yeah. take out. Yeah. And so I ordered a similar one. Um, for the 992 plugged in couldn't get the damn thing to work and i was very perplexed by that so i went on their website and looked and they said you know under the kind of special notes Mm -hmm. the 12 volt socket doesn't work with the 992 Mm -hmm. and i was like god Mm -hmm. you know this is very annoying you're like of course of course so i make it easy every time i want to keep this thing charged up because i'm not quite sure when i'll drive it next i've got to pop the hood I've got to take off this plastic engine Shrug. cover. Yeah. Yep. And then I've got to put these clamps on the battery and then a negative ground. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, 
I could make this a lot easier because I've seen people do it. Just sink, you know, uh, I even went out and bought a nut to thread down onto the positive terminal on the battery for mm-hmm. an eye. Yeah. Uh, terminal just just for the trickle charger and then i could route that cabling to a corner just plug that in yeah not have to take anything apart not have to open the hood yeah and so i was looking online at like renlist and some other t's and what people have done for the negative lead because you can't you can't just put that on the battery um and so you got to sync it somewhere else and i i was like okay this guy used pulled this bolt and so i was like i'm just going to use that because that's what he used and worked pretty well mm-hmm. and um so i pulled this bolt out and go to thread it back down i can't get the thing to thread back mm-hmm. in the hole and i'm like what in the hell mm-hmm. so i look closely at it and there's this kind of casing around the top of it that's built up and i'm like mm-hmm. what the hell is this from mm-hmm. so then i look at the hole and where I go to thread it, the top half of that hole is like a bigger diameter than the bolt. Mm. And then I started thinking to myself, oh, shit, this was like a locking bolt or something. Like they put a oh. casing. So when they torqued it, mm-hmm. it was locked because it is over like the the strut tower. So there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of vibration going into that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm looking at this. I'm like, I've never I, I haven't personally run into this. Yeah. Like the 2002 doesn't have nonsense like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, of course, this is an overly engineered German bolt. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, it it does thread down onto what to me looks like some kind of grounding terminal for electronics. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't even want to fire the car up because I don't know what's going to get thrown as an air at this point. <laughs> so now I've got to figure out what's the size of this bolt. Yeah. And... The it odd thing, the odd thing is, Germany? yeah. The <laughs> odd thing is, when I take that grounding terminal out, it's long enough to sink into the thread. Mm. But I think it's that locking mechanism that gets it far enough in to get that narrower yeah. diameter in the hole. Yeah. And so I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. So I've got to go out to, because um, I can't get this to sink down. I'm nervous to fire the car up because I don't want to throw a bunch of airs. I I don't know what these grounding terminals lead to like is right. it is it something important is it washer yeah. fluid doesn't matter yeah right i don't want to mess with it so i go out <laughs> i find a bolt that's the same um diameter that's mm-hmm. longer like 25 millimeters versus 20 and then i sink it all back down everything fires up fine yeah but i'm just like this was literally simply to sink a negative terminal for a battery tender so i don't have yeah. to dick around with this battery yeah and it caused all sorts of consternation for headaches me. yeah and so now i've got to confess my sins to the dealership yeah because what i worry about is i i don't want them to come back to me someday and say hey you know you have this issue yeah can you tell us about this strange looking bolt you've got in here right that, not something we, we yeah. see in these cars right and and yeah and so now, now your engine, your engine system up, we're, yeah. we're, we can't we can't warranty that you're yeah you're running lean because uh because you put a wrong bolt in this <laughs> you're like so i uh, so i need to get them to probably order one and then i'm going to take it up there and have them resync it so yeah you know re-thread it down so everything's sorted but yeah it's just the profound difference between these modern cars where not only are like just odd hardware 
designs that are very intricate and mm -hmm. specially designed for a certain amount of torque. And, and yeah. I'm sure it, you know, like these, the gremlins that I've got in the 2002, well, this is a 50 year old car. And to some mm -hmm. extent that's to be expected. I'm sure what they've done is iterative response to issues that they've seen over 50 years in cars well some of these come loose and that causes grounding issues so now we're going to lock them yeah and we're right. going to do it this way and so it fixes a problem but it also makes it mm -hmm. as an individual to like work on a car or something yeah. near near impossible yeah and i'm not even getting into like the software stuff right no i mean the car. it's kind of a win-win for the manufacturer yeah, yeah, because yeah. they can say with some justification we're doing these things to improve the quality and durability of the car but the benefit that they're not going to necessarily cop to is well now every time you want to service this thing you got to take it to the dealership yeah. because it is 18 steps to get to the engine oil to change yeah the oil. i mean that's the yeah. thing right like you pop the back of those now and all you've got access to is like You've got a, you've got, coolant you've got oil. Yeah. And, right. And the rest, you can't even like even see the engine. Well, and a lot of cars don't even have manual dipsticks for oil anymore. They have electronic dipsticks. So the, and the car just tells you what it is. You can't check it yourself. Now, I'm, I remember my dad years ago making the comment that like, you know, back in his day, like you could literally stand in the engine bay yeah. and work on the car. Cause I mean, they're big cars, <laughs> but like now, you know, you pop, if I pop the hood on my three series, yeah, you've there's kind of a bunch of plastic cladding on over the, you stuff. can't even see the engine. You can't see the engine then 11. Yeah, no, exactly. You, if I, if I pop my, you know, quote unquote trunk, you yeah. see a shroud that has some cooling things on it and that's about it. Um, and so, and, and, yeah. that, and that's just the mechanics. Like, I, I think, so it's EVs take this to that next yeah. level where like, yeah, you want to. You don't want to be messing with eight hundred volts. No, and like even if I screw up somehow on the battery, right. a twelve volt system, like right. probably not going to kill me. It may be very painful, right? But it's right. probably not going to kill me. Yeah, why I'm not messing with eight hundred volts. No, no, no. <laughs> well, and and I don't even mean it from that standpoint. I just mean like wrenches are damn near obsolete. You're going to need a laptop with specialized software. Um, and, it, and it, you know, and it's interesting because it just raises this question in my mind like when i bought the t i thought i mean i do still think that you know when i say a forever car maybe for me that translates to 10 years of right, ownership. right like yeah. i There's, don't know i don't know that you will ever have a forever and in the in the and part of the truth of that is kind of recognizing like with it with the 2002 at least it's approachable yeah like i can find a part work on it myself and potentially get it fixed like right. even if there wasn't a mechanic locally that wanted to mess with it. Like it's from what I've been through, like it could potentially be doable. Some things are out of my element, but some things I probably could fix. Yeah. Whereas with the way that the mo modern cars were made, it's pretty much all out of your element. Yeah. yeah. And so like yeah, the question sure. then is I which mean, of no. those cars is yeah. actually a better candidate for a forever yeah. car? Yeah, it could actually be the old ass car. Yeah, because there's some people that know how to fix them. Yeah, and it's reasonably approachable. And there's plenty of parts out there. And you know, I mean, that's that's my my kind of dream with getting Safari and eventually getting the GTR is like 
GTR, you're starting to get into software, some, obviously. Some software, yeah. But it's still very mechanical. The nine ele- the, the Safari will be very mechanical. It's got fuel injection and that's yeah. electron storage and that's yeah. about it. But both of those are cars that, you know, I might lean on you a little bit because you're more mechanically minded than me. But like for simple stuff, I think I can at least attempt to sort it out. Yeah. And then, you know, but with like a, a modern, I mean, hell, if I get a flat in my yeah. RS, I have to trail it because it's a central locking wheel. I can't even like. That's a really good point. I can't. I literally I thought about change the my lift. I tire. can help you out, but no, no, no. We have to have. A you need a special fork wrench to that, get that off. Yeah, it's like I can't even do that. I can't even do something as basic as changing a wheel. Um, you know, and and so which is incidentally why a lot of the track guys that yeah do track their nine eleven, you know, their RS and stuff, sw- swap the wheels out because they don't want to be dealing with a center locking wheel. but you know i mean i think you know i it's it's been my dream for as long as i can remember like the answer to that question of like if you won the lottery what would you do it's like i'll just go back to school and i'd be a mechanic and so like i do want to at some stage in my life start to learn those skills um and i think with the safari in particular that'll be a chance that's that's a chance to start learning some of that that's um but the you know, for the modern cars, it's just no chance. Like, you're going to have yeah. those impediments yeah. specifically engineered to be in the way of that. Right. I mean, what I'm learning. I, I mean, it's just like, it was just kind of, well, and there's a lot of companies that do this. McLaren, if you want to work on McLarens, you basically have to buy, I believe, I was, I was listening to someone talking about this. It's, I think, in the six figures worth of, equipment including soft specialized diagnostic software from mclaren um if you even want to work on them and it kind of reminds me of like you know what the farmer the farmers with john deere's exactly. the right to work stuff mm-hmm. where like the modern john deere tractors had software that they couldn't work around and so values of like 1980s and 90s john deere tractors were like astronomical because mm-hmm. you could actually work on them it kind of reminded me of that you know um, so I think it is modern cars are as reliable as they've ever been as the build quality is as good as it's ever been. But when something goes wrong with them, you're, you're kind of stuck. I mean, you're, you you're, you're taking it to a dealer. Um, and they, and you they, know, they will bend you over. <laughs> basically. I'm sure this bolt is going to be very expensive. Yeah. 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 Oh, you, you mess with the bolt. <laughs> now, now you, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. Just fix it. I don't want to hear the like. Yeah. <laughs> so now, you don't we're just going to use the bolt. stupid clips. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it's, it's an interesting discussion because it is a, you know, for people that like to try and work on their own cars, you know, for, the newer the newer cars the newer generation cars it's just becoming less and less of an option um and you know i even heard that from i was listening to a podcast with uh a guy named marco who owns tlg auto in uh, la they're they work on various things but they're very much known as like a porsche specialist and they asked you know the guy talking interviewing him basically asked him you know what 
where do you see like the future of 9-11 kind of hot rodding essentially modifying and he said you know it's not he's like i really think it's in the 996 997s he's like 992 generation they're just they're engineered to win within an inch of their life you know they're really maxing out what they can do and the, the everything the the software and everything has gotten so complex that like you can tune them but you're getting into really tricky waters that's what I mean. and I and this is from someone who is like his yeah. entire career is modifying portions so um, um it just doesn't even enter my brain to, to modify it. Yeah. yeah no no it's a good thing they're so fast yeah. out of the box yeah. <laughs> um well i think that's about all we had this week um anything else you want to talk about no all right well i think that's going to do it um thank you all so much for listening uh we'll be probably by the next time we're back we'll be back into f1 we've got uh where are they this weekend is it starting back up this weekend yes zandvoort they're in there it's the dutch tp and zandvoort um so i'm sure another max win there'll be a lot of orange uh unfortunately um but uh it'll be it'll be nice to have f1 back and um and i'm sure we'll yeah we'll be you know it'll there'll be some interesting topic points i'm sure yeah um but uh until then be sure to follow us at the blow up podcast on instagram and be sure to rate us uh wherever you get your um your podcasts and we will see you probably in a few weeks yeah.